we are uh, just going to hand over to our preacher very, very shortly. Um, James Juice is preaching to us this morning. We are so excited to hear what James has to share from God's Word. He's continuing in our series in Jonah. James, over to you. Ali, I just took my hat off because it's a bit nippy here in this undisclosed warehouse somewhere in Aberdeen. Um, Lucy Ferguson said today's about fresh starts and, and mentioned that. And, and I really do believe that as we, we're going to be opening up the Bible, as Ali's just said. Uh, driving here this morning, I was driving along the beach uh, in Aberdeen and I pulled over and I just thought I'll have 10 minutes to walk and to talk to God and to pray. And I, you know, you see all sorts of weird and wonderful things, don't you, um, on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I was uh, stood looking at the, at, the, at the waves, I noticed a guy had uh, stripped off on just to a pair of shorts and he put a bobble hat on and then went and dove into the sea. And I'm thinking, are you mental? It's October, it's freezing, a pair of shorts. And I have no idea what just this bobble hat would do, but, but maybe like me, you know, you don't want a cold hat, you know, so he puts a bobble hat on. So, so here he is swimming. And then behind him, the backdrop to this crazy kind of behavior was the wind turbines and the service vessels. And they had all swiveled so that they were in alignment with the wind. And, and actually the sun was kind of coming from the same direction. And, and I suddenly had this snap picture of kind of fun, crazy behavior, but also being in, line, uh, in alignment with the sun. And I just felt like maybe the Lord was just saying something in that to us this morning. You know, the world might look at us as Christians and think that they're a bit crazy, their behavior is a bit odd. But actually, when we align ourselves to God's best, then we become incredibly effective for Him. Those, that's when the wind turbines produce electricity, light, and warmth to, you know, I guess to loads and loads of households. And that's where we're going to go, hopefully, this morning, that God wants us to turn and face him. And when we do that, um, we affect other people. And so we're in, uh, if you've got your Bibles or your electronic devices, uh, we're going to be back in, uh, in, in the book of Jonah. And uh, in my Bible, it's about two-thirds of the way there. It's right at the end of the Old Testament. And we're going to be in Jonah 2. And if you were here last week and you listened and watched what Scott Robertson uh, said as he preached, he set this up really, really well. Jonah is this character, this prophet, where God speaks to him and tells him to go to the city of Nineveh. But instead of going to Nineveh, he legs it in the absolute opposite direction. He runs from God. And, and, and through that little story that Scott talked about, he says he hides from God, but God caught up with him. You know, we can run, we can hide, but God has a plan and he does catch up with us. And so what happens then is that the long and the short of it is that he's, he's picked up by these men on a, on a boat and he's thrown into the sea. And the moment that that happens, um, the, the waves calm. And uh, that's where we're going to be diving into the story. Excuse the pun. Boom, boom. We're going to be diving into the story today. And uh, we're going to start. We'll just back up a little bit. Chapter 1 and verse 15. This is what it says. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. 
At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And here it is. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God and said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. You listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. What great descriptions these are. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Sometimes we feel like this, don't we? But, don't you love it when there's a but? You brought my life up from the pit, O Lord. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And here it is. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited up Jonah onto dry ground. Wow, you made me think we were going to talk about being sick this morning, but we'll maybe get there at some point. Anyway, wow, what a story, what a moment. You know, some of you know me quite well, some of you don't know me, but as a child I grew, had the incredible privilege of growing up in the Himalayas in India, in uh, the foothills, in an international school. And uh, in the evenings we would play football or volleyball, late till 9, 9.30 or whatever. And my friends would go off to their dorms and I would have to walk down this tiny little path home to where we, I was, was kind of lived a little bit further away from them. And so this evening I, let, I took off and walking down the path, initially with it, it was lit up well, and then into the jungle I went, into the darkness I went. Well, there'd been a rumor, a panther had been sighted in the area. You know, when you go into the dark like that and the jungle seems to come alive and all you hear is ooh, 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 ah, ah, and all that kind of stuff and your mind starts to play, you know, um, games. Anyway, as I'm walking through this dark jungle, I hear a thud behind me, a padding sound. Well, as any 12-year-old would tell you, you don't want to be sure that you're afraid, but I was breaking it. And so I began to speed up. And as I sped up, this thing behind me began to speed up. I could hear it now panting behind me and the padding was getting faster as I got faster and faster to the point where I was running full pelt through the undergrowth heading towards our house. I was getting, I got to about 100 yards from the house and we had this lone light bulb outside. I'm running towards the light and hoping, but I knew I was never going to make it in time. And so as a 12-year-old, I decided to face what was behind me. And so I stopped and I turned, waiting and expecting the worst. And into the light came my dog. My dog, Caesar. You know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a foe in the dark. It was my friend, 
my friend Caesar, amazing, loyal, protected. He loved us. He would have done anything for us. And what I want to say this morning is this. You know, when you look here in verse 17, it says when Jonah was thrown into the sea, he said that God provided. And sometimes God's provision is not what we expect. But God provided a stinking belly of a fish and God put him into the darkness. But we're conditioned, aren't we? That all things dark are wrong. All things dark are evil. But here God provides a dark space, not only to save Jonah, but to bring transformation, a place where he's gonna, God's going to be at work in him. We've got to get over this. That, you know, all things are uh, dark or bad. You know, if you're an 80s child, and certainly I am, you know, um, well, I'm just trying to remember the song, Thriller, you know, somewhere in the darkness, you know, um, it, it talks about this evil uh, lurking in the darkness near midnight and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I guess, you know, we, we're conditioned anyway that darkness is bad and light is good. And when we look at the Bible, we kind of get that. You know, Jesus is the light of the world. Paul calls us to walk in light in his spirit. We've been rescued from a dominion of darkness and brought into the dominion of light. Our hearts and our minds have been enlightened by the gospel of truth. We're called constantly to step out of the shadows of secrecy into transparency and light. And there is a journey around this, isn't there? And it is moving towards the great crescendo of Revelations 21, where Jesus returns and the city, a new city comes. And actually in Revelations 21, it actually says this, this city doesn't need sun or moon, but God's glory fills it. And the lamb is the lamp and there'll be no more darkness and night. And so that's where we're heading. No more darkness in here or even out there. And yet in the meantime, it seems like God uses the darkness, the struggles, even persecution, suffering. He can use darkness and the, and the darkness of being in the belly of a fish to bring about a new beginning. That's what Lucy talked about. That's what Lucy's word for us was. But you've got to go sometimes through the darkness to experience a new birth and a new beginning. It's in the dark Scriptures tell us we can actually meet God. In Exodus 20, there's this amazing moment where Moses goes up the mountainside to receive the Ten Commandments. It says this, it says, And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Wow. Moses enters into this dark space where God's glory is enfolded him, but I guess in dark clouds. And he leaves that place carrying a new way of being, not only for himself, but for an entire nation of righteousness, of goodness, of justice that we've heard Caroline and the guys talk about this morning, a way of being that would not only improve the way their lives, but actually would become a great witness to the entire world, pointing to a God of goodness. You enter the darkness, you meet with God. The Apostle Paul, you know, and if you're new to church, I'm talking about these characters, but in the New Testament, there's this guy called Paul. And Paul is kind of a bit of a Jonah figure. 
You know, he's on a mission. He's on a mission, but it's his mission. And he's heading up to this place called Damascus. And his mission is this, to actually eradicate the Christians in that city, to persecute them. He thinks he's doing right. And so he heads there. And guess what happens? He meets the resurrected Jesus. And in that moment, being face to face with the one person that he's actually persecuting, guess what? He's sent into darkness. He's suddenly blinded and spends days fumbling around. You know, in suddenly being sent into darkness, you think, wow. You know, but it gives him, no doubt, time. Time to think through, to reflect, to be suddenly face to face with the possibility of, oh my goodness, I could be in this darkness for a long, long time. And, then, and, then, and as a result of that, he starts to think through his errors, his pride, his selfish ambition, and coming face to face with all of that and face to face with the mercy of God. And what does that produce in him but a deep, deep repentance? And, and a new birth happens as a result of that. And what happens in the dark with Paul is extraordinary because what happens in the dark affects not only him, but affects cities, not only cities, nations, because now suddenly Paul is on a new trajectory. He's now in alignment with God and he's got a God mission, not his own. And he goes and he preaches the gospel and plants churches and brings light, if you like, to the world. And we're reading about it two millennia later and it's still affecting us. What happened in the dark in Paul's life is affecting you and me today. Maybe God wants to do something in the dark in us, not just for our sake, but for our world's sake, our city's sake, for Aberdeen's sake, for Scotland's sake, for the UK. I don't know, I'm just kind of thinking through, we need to maybe embrace these moments of wrestle and sometimes even darkness because God wants to do something in us to do something through us afresh. And so it's darkness is our friend in these moments. And then here, you know, in chapter 2, it says here, and from inside the fish, he prays. He prays. I'll tell you what, I don't know what your prayer life's like, but I remember this moment. I was, I think, probably 15 or 16 years old. You know, and as a 15 and 16-year-old, you get up to ridiculous things. I, had a, I, I shot myself once. You know, believe it or not, it was, <laughs> it was by accident and it, wasn't with, it was with an air rifle. But, you know, as a 16-year-old, what we used to do is we mess with the springs. I mean, I could put a hole through a half-inch ply board with the rifle I used. And what we would do is we'd paint them all black. And some of the lads out there go, I mean, I know it's, we're in a different era now, okay? But we'd put torches on the ends of the barrels, you know? We used to paint our faces. We thought we were like Rambo. And I remember one evening, we broke into the grain bins in an industrial site. And we'd be like that with the torches, you know? And I heard a little flutter of a pigeon, poor pigeon. You know? And suddenly, as I brought my rifle up, it caught something and it went off. And I I shot myself in the foot. Let me tell you, in that moment of panic and pain and shooting myself, my prayers were unfiltered. <laughs> Do you know what they were? And all my mates, and I was a bit of a rebellious teenager, my mates witnessed me just shouting, Jesus, help! Jesus, help me! Help me, Jesus! 
When I read this passage here and I read Jonah's prayer, it seems constructed, it seems concise, it seems reflective. Yes, there are cries for help, but what it is, it's a prayer that reflects the inward journey that he goes on while he's in the dark. Now, you know, think about this. He's in the dark. The fish is traveling back the way he's come. He's, the fish is covering the ground of his rebellion and, di- and, and disobedience. And so there's an outward kind of travel in this story. But actually what's going on here is there is, needs to be an inward journey as well. And so let's just really quickly look at bits of the prayer because there are some beautiful bits in this because Jonah is talking and praying retrospectively for us to help us, to breathe life into us when we're in the darker in crisis. And he says here right in the first few lines, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and he heard me. What's going on here? He said, he want, I think Jonah wants to say to you and me today, whenever we're in these kind of situations, yes, God hears us in our distress and in the dark moments. And there is an answer. There is a rescue. So I don't know where you're at right now. But I think what Jonah wants to do is this, this prayer needs to come off the page and into our hearts and minds and say there is hope. There is a present And there is a future. And the future will come. But the reality is this. There is a gap between. And there is a process to engage with and uh, and to encounter with God. And so what we see here is a prayer of eventual surrender. And it just takes time, doesn't it? The one thing that God has is time. (laughs) When we want to be rescued straight away. He actually wants to do something in us. I mean, and look at the descriptions. Of, like, you know, it, it, the currents are swirling around me. I feel like I'm being overwhelmed. I feel like I've been banished from your sight. You know, the waters engulfing threaten me. The deep surrounds me. Seaweed is wrapped around my noggin. Do you know, I feel trapped. Do you know, how many of us have felt like this in these moments? And, and then it says here, and the earth beneath me barred me forever. I think sometimes in the dark, it feels like we're going to be like this forever but Jonah wants to say to us no 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 there is a time the rescue will come the answers will come there is a when there is a when but there is we've got to go through the way first there is a when but there is a way and then lands his you know his his prayer lands on this what I have vowed I will make good salvation comes from the Lord the realization the surrender is there And then in verse 10, it says, and then he was vomited onto the beach. Something is going on here. There is a connection between the when and the process that we're going on, the surrendering process. And we haven't got time this morning to look at all of this, but we know that Jesus had to go through a very similar process under the darkness and in the garden of Gethsemane. And you can read about that where he comes to that dark, dark moment. The cross is looming. And his his initial cry is, take this cup from me. And then it's, but Lord, if there's no other way, not my will, but yours. And there is this surrendering moment. 
And I think it is the same with the Apostle Paul. When Paul was in blindness, he didn't know how long that was going to be. But I think there was a process of surrender. The darkness and the praying and the conversations with God brought about a deep, deep surrender. And then in that moment of deep surrender, what I love about the Paul story is this. It's a bit like the Jonah one. The moment he is fully surrendered, something happens. In Paul's story, it's like when he gets to that place of deep repentance, deep sorry, it's like the Holy Spirit goes and speaks to another man called Ananias. And Ananias goes to Paul and places his hands, we're not allowed to do that right now, places his hands on Paul and prays for him and asks the Holy Spirit to fill him and scales fall from his eyes. Wow. Talk about new birth. And then I just want to finally land on this because time is getting on. And, and, and it is this. is that I think also the darkness produces, needs, uh, does produce in us obedience. That's the whole point. Here is, and I want to leave us this morning with this amazing image. It's a bit gross. Jonah has just been puked up on land. He is covered. I mean... I used to work on Albert Key, just on the docks here in Aberdeen, right next door to a fish merchant. And in the summer, you'd be like, you took one whiff of that place and you'd be like, whoa, you know. So here is Jonah climbing up onto a shore covered in stench and grime and can I say dead matter? And he is a mess, but he's God's mess now. And, 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 and the commentators and a, and a Hebrew scholar uh, that I was reading said this. He said, you know, in Jonah's prayer, he mentions about making vows and sacrifices and going back to the temple in Jerusalem. And then in chapter three, it's a weird thing and I don't want to jump the gun, but it says here that the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. You would think he's just been vomited up. He's alive. It's a new beginning. He would go straight now to Nineveh. He is ready to do that. But this commentator said that likelihood is he was going to go back to Jerusalem to sacrifice, to do the traditional cleansing things, get blessed by the priest again, sing another song of lament, when actually what God is looking for in us is this, is that just... Smelly, courageous obedience is what God is after. The darkness produces obedience and transformation and new beginnings. And that's what we want. And so, Father, as we wrap up this this morning, we want to pray. We pray and we ask God for those who are in a, maybe a dark place and a struggle right now. God, Holy Spirit, would you speak to them? Would you help each and every one of us in this maybe COVID climate where the clouds have come? For us as a church, would we embrace all that you want to do in us so that we can be better? Uh, we can be used more effectively that you can then work through us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.